Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Spider-Man Far From Home is here, but our spoiler-filled review is no longer far away. Let's talk about every spoiler, every detail. Let's review Spider-Man Far From Home today on Marvel Movie News. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now... Here's Popcorn Talks Marvel Movie News. Good afternoon to you, our merry Marvelites. Welcome back to Marvel Movie News, coming to you live from the LaGuardia to Heathrow (laughs) flight. (laughs) This is Marvel Movie News. We are talking about Spider-Man Far From Home today. I'm just going to warn you guys, first thing... Spoilers. Spoiler warning for Spider-Man Far From Home. This is your last warning. If you haven't seen it, we're going to spoil it for you. We're going to ruin every twist, every plot point, because this is our spoiler-filled discussion. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And if you left before the credits... You're an idiot, and you deserve to have it spoiled. <laughs> also true. Yeah. Which I saw. Both times I saw people left. Yep. Right. So Same! Yeah. The second time my husband's like, is there more? I was like, yes! Well, we'll <laughs> yes, get into more. that. But who are we, you might ask? I'm Zach Wilson. <laughs> the regular cohorts are here. Christian Blatt. Hey, look, it's me! Zia Anderson. And it's me! And I'm excited to welcome back to the show our very own... Koi Jandro. How's it going, guys? Koi, it's thanks so Riley much. Riley today. It's to be like a clone <laughs> of the past. Look, we, we, we tied you up. We, we webbed you to the chair. I, you know, I've been here for weeks. It's the only way we can make the time. I admit, it's a Sunday. They're like, we'll do it on a Sunday. And it's like, okay, let's do it on a Sunday. I'll be there. Well, we it was the 4th of July. I, everyone's got an excuse. Everyone moved everything. Disney's just like... Movies come, can come out on Tuesdays, right? Yeah. It's been real weird having everyone else take a five-day week and me just be like, oh, I get to catch up now, and be like, no, I didn't even watch a firework. <laughs> I just got work done. Fair enough. I mean, but it's good. Now I can be here, and I'm very excited. There are fireworks on the TV for you to watch. I enjoy the fact that everyone in the live chat is a familiar name. This makes me very happy. <laughs> this is very nostalgic. I uh, like that Gamer Girl said, oh, hi, Koi, and in my head I read it as, oh, hi, Mark, but oh, hi, Koi. Oh, hi, Koi. Also, blindly, having not seen the film, being here for the spoiler talk is just, that is just dedication. Much respect, Langley. That's yes, Langley, awesome. I respect your, your insistence on joining us. I don't want to ruin it he, for he's you. He's literally yelling, ruin it. But, well, I'm going to. We're all going to. But first, I want to know, that's what me. did you... Uh, uh, everyone's got their oh, devices on today. I no longer on me. live shows, yeah. so I, I have an excuse. Well, all right. <laughs> Let's dive into it. Let's dissect Spider-Man Far From Home. First off, I just want to know, what did you guys think? Let's start with our guest, Koi. I... Succinctly, I really, really love this movie, and I had such a good time watching it. But the more I think about it, the more I realize there are things I'll never get in the MCU. But 
I am separating my MCU fan from my Spider-Man fan. So I love Tom Holland as Spider-Man. I think he is far and away the best Spider-Man we've ever had. And I love that the MCU's take on Spider-Man feels the most authentic. But there are enough things that happen because of this film that I'll never get that I'm like, oh, ah, it's like a roller coaster. It feels. <laughs> so uh, overall, loved it. Definite like A minus B plus. I, it's not my it's not the favorite that everyone else is saying it is. So I'm going to come out of the negative Nancy only by comparison. Uh, but I really loved it. It was it was such a good time. And it has scenes that I never thought we'd get on screen. There's a sequence in this film that I truly never thought we'd see. And it's something I've dreamt of since I was a child. So I cannot uh, possibly promote it more. I want people to see it. But I'm not in the it's the best one of all of them that uh, that the Internet is currently. in. Can I yeah. ask out of curiosity, what is your favorite of all the Spider-Man? Uh, Into the Spider-Verse. Into okay. the Spider-Verse. Yeah, for me, cool. it's still Spider-Man 2, the second overall uh, Spider-Man. This is great. I loved yeah. it so much, but uh, just something about that one will always stay with me. I, I thought I got to see it twice, and it's the same thing. When you see it the second time, you're like, oh, yeah. And it's like when you laugh at the same jokes a second time when you <laughs> saw them less than a week ago, you know that they're funny. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. uh, it was so much that I wanted. Uh, and I have to agree that this Tom Holland is my favorite Spider-Man. I will always like Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone together as Peter and Gwen. I don't think any of the on-screen romance is as good as those two. But he's he's my favorite Spider-Man for sure. And uh, obviously, Marissa Tomei is the hottest damn man. So. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sorry, Sally Field, by the way. I feel, Aww, I feel like I was Sally rude. Field. How dare you? Uh, yeah, no, this was it was just so good. It was just so much fun to watch. Like I went into it the first the first time I watched it, I definitely laughed harder than the second time, but the second time there are moments that I still laughed very hard. Um <clears throat> a little tight around the web shooters. That was probably my favorite line in the whole movie. It was so dumb. Of course I loved your favorite it. line was a dick joke, Zia. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just it was just fun to watch. It was overall, it was really funny. I liked that it was far from home. It was just cool because it's in a completely different setting than what we're used to seeing. It's not New York, uh, which I liked, but you still got a little bit of a little bit of New York in the end. Um, and my favorite thing about the entire movie was the end credit scene, which I know we'll get into. But I literally, me and Christian, the first time we saw it, were like. <gasps> <laughs> I, I, I actually applauded, and I don't yeah. usually applaud. I don't usually applaud at movies because no. I understand that it's not a stage. No one's going to hear me. So, but I was, I was just so excited. I had to. everybody yeah. was excited. Yeah. It was such a good moment. It was. It, this was such a fun movie. I think the thing that impressed me the most about it is it managed to feel at the same time insular. Like mm-hmm. it was a small story. It was Peter's story about just romance and wanting to just talk to a girl on trip, but also was deeply connected to the larger Marvel Cinematic Universe to where you could feel the reach of yeah. everything that we've built to with Endgame. And this is, as, as Feige keeps talking about, this is still phase three. This is like the, the epilogue mm-hmm. chapter of the story, and it felt that way. It felt like this was taking pieces from everything we've seen before, and yet still was just a story about a a 16-year-old kid from Queens living his life. And that's what Spider-Man is to me. Spider-Man is the the friendly neighborhood guy who you can relate to. Mm-hmm. He's not... It's not Captain America dealing with world problems. It's a little guy who has to fight the big things. I, I definitely think they captured that, and I definitely think that they captured the, the spirit of Spider-Man, but this is the first Spider-Man film where I felt like it, I had to... I had to mentally accept it was an adaptation and not a comic book on screen. Yes. Uh, and therefore, a lot of the moments, a lot of the things I love about Spider-Man can never be true. 
Uh, so that's really hard for me as a Spider-Man fan, but as a, as an MCU fan, it is such a passionate love letter to all the things that make Spider-Man tick. So all the things you're saying are still very true, and I really appreciated the fact that even though they were globe gallivanting, it still felt like Spider-Man never lost his heart. Like a lot of the uh, one of the problems I have with Dan Slott's run on Spider-Man is he turned into Iron Man, and this walked that line very trickily, where he never fully became Iron Man. They teased the concept of it, but he always felt like the the neighborhood kid. Yeah. So I really appreciated the fact that the heart of Spider-Man remained even while they were globetrotting and the, what they were able to do with the villain after the Vulture which I thought I, I maintain the Vulture is one of the best MCU villains of all time the scene in the car with the Vulture and Peter is one of the best comic book scenes of all time and then to later translate the Green Goblin glider into the wings and do all the things they did I was like how are they possibly going to top that and then what they were able to do was give us a villain that is not just a piece of our times but it's actually prophetic like Mysterio is a creation for 2019 because we're going to be dealing with deep fakes and the ramifications of a uh, like uh, altered reality and, and VR and all these things so this movie in five years is going to be looked back on as like oh that was the beginning of these problems like yeah. we're going to have issues where you can make someone sound alike look like do all these things and Mysterio was the perfect villain to start to touch on that so I love the way they handled Mysterio Mysterio is my favorite part of the piece uh, not just because Jake Gyllenhaal but Jake Gyllenhaal was great uh, but <laughs> there, there's so much to this movie they did the right so I, I hate that I have some negatives because it's still an A I just I can't sleep soundly knowing I'll never get Peter at the bugle. I know, yeah, you're talking, yes. Like, that's such a part of him for me. You're, you're referencing the mid-credit scene. I am, but it kills me. We're gonna get into, in, like, and we're gonna react to it in <laughs> detail. But l- l- while you're talking about Mysterio, let's let's talk about him, because yeah. the truth is, any superhero movie, any, com- any, any Marvel movie, it lives or dies on its villain. Um, the best... The best Marvel movies, I think you can look at and say, those were the ones with the strongest villain, like Black Panther, Endgame and Infinity War, uh, Captain America, Winter Soldier, because your villain is complicated and it's not just, oh, Mm -hmm. there's a big bad guy. There's like a bad organization and the very question of who you can trust. All that comes down to the villain. So, Coy, you're talking about Mysterio Mm -hmm. and it's a perfect analogy for, yeah, I mean, we've seen it. It's not even in the future. We've seen it this year where... Uh, I'm not going to get into the specifics, but people in power retweeting or tweeting videos that are fakes, that mm-hmm. are deep fakes, or just cut together in misleading ways. And because they come, if they're retweeted from, by, the right, by the wrong person, it comes through as fact. And all of a sudden, people have the wrong impression of history. Yeah. So with all that in mind, uh, Christian, what did you think of this take on Mysterio. I really thought this was an interesting way to do it. I think that they did a great job. Uh, from the beginning, when we saw in the trailer, it's like, oh, this is our friend Mysterio. He's gonna help us. I'm like, nope. He's Mysterio. <laughs> There's nothing Mysterio about the fact that uh, he's gonna screw you over at some point. Uh, I, I make no bones about the fact I hated what they did to Mandarin in Iron Man 3. And this, I thought, could have been something like that. But it worked so well that, uh, yeah, I just got the big fishbowl head because, uh, you know, I've got all this uh, all this CGI VR stuff. I thought it was great. <laughs> the justification yeah. for the fishbowl so as an AR helmet? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I was just like, it's such a great idea because obviously, I mean, my wife, was when she first saw a picture of Mysterio, she's like, Really? The fishbowl head? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah, but it's cool. <laughs> and uh, I thought it was great. I loved the fact that he's like, Hey, I'm just a regular guy. Hey, Peter, don't be afraid to be the smartest guy in the room. You know, and uh, you could see how literally a child is going to be like, well, this guy's more of a hero than I am. Uh, I'm going to trust him. And 
Whoops. But, uh, no, I really thought it was great, and the, the whole arc, and again, we're not talking about stuff that happens in the post-credits, but the fact that w- even when you think that you've beaten Mysterio, you haven't. You'll never actually beat Mysterio. Yeah, no, I, I love Mysterio in this. It's I mean, first of all, Jake Gyllenhaal's performance, hello, he basically played two completely different characters and played them both so well. So it was like a character and a character and a character. Because <laughs> it was like Mysterio playing Beck, and then Jake Gyllenhaal playing Mysterio playing Beck. It was awesome. I like the way that they did that. And they did it so well to a point where, even though going into it, there's no way you trust a Mysterio because it's, again, Mysterio. It's the same thing. I was like, yeah, no way. Uh, but they almost have you a little bit into the movie. I'm like, is he? No. They, they, is he? They do manage to um, keep you on your toes with it. And that's yeah. Like, yeah. As comic book fans, we knew going in, Mysterio's going to wind up being bad. Of course. Like, he has to be the bad guy. But the question of how you're going to get there from what they present us, I was surprised. I was genuinely surprised by the route they took. Mm-hmm. And they managed to keep in, like, he's not a Hollywood yeah. guy, but they managed to keep that feel because he had this weird, like, special effects team of it was people so that he assembled. <laughs> I loved that they, as a moviegoer, tricked moviegoers into, it wasn't in the beginning of the second act. It was, like, middle second act. So it was about ten minutes past the point you'd expect that reveal. So I was like, maybe he is an alternate dimension Mysterio. And I was thinking they were going to do a third act thing where a Mysterio from our Earth was a bad guy and would have a Jake I, v. Jake fight. I did actually uh, think that, that was something cool. that might happen at one point because I did. they did get me in a little bit, even though I was always like, no, he's definitely... But I was like, but he's so nice! <laughs> So he did play both those characters. <laughs> but what they did with like the narrative structure was they waited till just past the time you thought it'd be appropriate and then escalate things so quickly with that mm-hmm. one amazing monologue. Yeah. And then they were also able to tie in mythology through that one amazing monologue. So not only did they bait you just long enough, but then they made up for lost time so it didn't make the last bit of the movie feel rushed. Like the pacing of this film is some of the strongest in the MCU. Like out of the 23 MCU films, the way they were able to manipulate the audience is amongst the strongest. And I also think the way they were able to tell the story of Mysterio with the way they marketed it was a Mysterio marketing scheme in the same way Deadpool was a Deadpool marketing scheme. Like That's what they did point. with Deadpool was was get us to think that the movie was one thing and then Deadpool went <laughs> and Mysterio <laughs> did the same thing with the narrative. So everyone on the internet was talking about multiverses and then there was a part in the movie where they were like you'll literally believe anything because of how crazy Endgame was. And it was like telling me as an audience cover, <laughs> I will believe anything and that's perfect television. Like it's a damn fine trick, and they, they pulled it off seamlessly. And, yep. <laughs> yeah. And again, just building on that idea of this is the epilogue, this is a continuation, this is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The fact that we got references to the... the I love the idea that, that uh, Mysterio was just off stage yeah. in Civil War. Yeah. That's so yes. That's yeah. where they're like, and look, shaved Jake Gyllenhaal. I... I know people hated it in like Star Wars when they like went back in digitally after the fact and like added like Hayden Christensen's face. But I am totally on board for if they want oh, wow. to like mm-hmm. on Disney Plus streaming want to digitally put Jake Gyllenhaal in the back of that sequence in Dude, Civil War. Do that with every movie. Put Jake Gyllenhaal in any movie. Just see Jake Gyllenhaal and watch that movie. But then going even further back by tying it back to Iron Man yeah. One, yeah. back to the original film, which some the random character who's getting yelled at by Obadiah. State. 
That's great. Yeah. That was amazing. Eleven years ago, a day player turned into a lead. Yeah, I was like, just gonna say, how great do you think it was when that actor got the call? Like, hey, uh, we want you to be in another Marvel movie. He's like, oh, great. So I'm gonna have a line. Oh no, no, you're actually gonna have a really big part. I'm like, what? <laughs> you're integral to the plot. People, that people demanded like... me coming back. All right. And it, uh, it's great they cast that guy that looks like he was drawn in a comic book. That's like, true. The yeah. actor himself yeah. is such a beautiful like that guy. Yeah. That bringing him back was such a good move. You're like that guy is from the comics. Great. <laughs> Scoop him up. And it's not just a random person. It was a character that is memorable. Mm-hmm. Or at least the moment was yeah. memorable. Yeah. So you, you, when you when they drew it, you're just like, oh, it is him. <laughs> you just said when they drew it. Because it's uh, a comic book, you guys. Nice. I'm just saying. Nice. Before we move on from Mysterio in the chat, Zeno Hour wants to know, do we think Mysterio is truly dead? Uh, and uh, I guess you, the, the specific question is, do you think Beck is dead? Because the Mysterio software is, of course, still alive. That's, um, a, that's a good question. I yeah. mean, so what? Like, we don't need to... You At this point, you've theoretically seen the movie, so we're not going to just track his right. the, the, the plot points. But once he gets to that big... End sequence and does die mm-hmm. or yeah. seemingly, seemingly die. die. He fakes a lot, but all the illusions are dropped. <gasps> and, so. and also, I mean, Peter asks Edith, you know, like, is this an illusion? And and she says that all the illusions are gone. Wait, so, you know. no. the kid from a Christmas story is who that no. was. It's Ralphie. Yeah, because he's friends with Favreau. I had no Wait, idea. Really? Peter Ralphie. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. We we, we brushed past that too quickly. Didn't Blew we? my mind yes. just now. Wait, I just got... He's friends with Favreau. Wait, he's his producing partner. This what? is yeah. everything. Yeah. Thank you, Langley. So, j- let's take a step back because I feel like sorry to interrupt the pieces. Because yeah. whoa. So the actor playing guy who got yelled at yes. in Iron Man yep. is the kid from A Christmas Story. I, just, I needed to stop and point that out. Thank yeah. you. Oh no, my god. I'm glad you stopped. I was so excited to read the question from the chat. We just lost that part of the I just, thread. Yeah. whoa. Yeah. No, it's great. Yeah. He's actually in a lot of Favreau's movies. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, Elf makes sense now. Okay. <laughs> right. All yeah. this comes together. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Back right. to the, the second anyway, time I interrupted. So, uh, Mysterio seemingly dead. Yeah. I guess, well, well Christian, uh, we'll start with you. What do I, you think? I think that Beck is dead, but I also think that it wouldn't be that hard to have figured out a way that he could trick Edith, even though, like, Peter has the glasses back, if they want to have him back. But I do think he's dead, but I think we can see him again because, obviously, his personality can live on. But I think his physical body is dead. All right, Zia. Yeah, he seemed dead to me. I mean, obviously he's Mysterio, so there could be all kinds of trickstery things. Maybe we'll actually get the multiverse and we'll get another Mysterio. (laughs) Maybe for real this time. I mean, Um, he could be dead, but that doesn't mean... But we could still see, like, Jake Gyllenhaal come back as a projection. Oh, yeah. I mean, the concept of Mysterio, with or without the bubble, is Mm -hmm. still alive. Corey, do you think... What do you think on it? Do you think he's... Like, is the physical person, Quentin Beck, dead? No... I don't right. think so. Uh, I, I think that the the uh, most recent person to wear the glasses was the one that Peter trusted with the glasses to tell him something. I think if if Beck was smart, he programmed the glasses differently. So uh, I yeah. I have I have personally think that Mysterio, whether he comes back in the conceptual or the physical, is definitely still around. Uh, it's just whether or not Jake wants to do this three month press tour again. That was actually something that like bothered me a little bit watching it the second time was how he just got the glasses back, but Beck never gave up control. There was never. Any any sort of like switch power, yeah. And That's I was what like, I'm thinking. Like the programming yeah. is still with Jake, so yeah. It's a good point. Oh man. And and I think that's not accidental. Like they, the Marvel doesn't do these little like side. Like it's it's going to be a problem. Uh, and especially with the second post credit scene, like the ramifications of 
everything going awry without anyone really supervising. Uh, I, I think a lot of these indiscrepancies are going to come into play in the third film. Well, let's let's talk about that. It's a good point, is any If you, for some reason, were one of like the 50% of people in these theaters that I don't understand who left after the mid-credit sequence, because I almost started telling people. I, when I was yeah. just like, I don't want to be that guy, yeah. but I almost was like, there's more! There's consequential more! <laughs> And like it was a one of the screenings I went to was a press screening, and yeah. many of the press left. I think yeah, you guys were the same. We, yeah. yeah. we were at the th- yeah, and we like, about about a ton of them yes. left. And uh, in both times I saw it, some people left after the first credit scene as well. So Maddening. you had like a, a strange wave before anything, and after the first one, like all right, I guess we've seen it. There's no history that would indicate there's a second one. So let's get out of here. <laughs> Just beat the traffic. I, I, the press, you should know better. <laughs> It, at the very least, you have to sit through just to know and yeah. press. Yeah. So that shocks me. But if this is, I think, it's got to be the most consequential post-credit sequence in yes. the Marvel Universe. Because not just, it doesn't lead into the next movie. Plenty of right. stuff set up the next movie. But those movies stand on their own. Mm-hmm. Um this like like the the, the at, at the end of uh, Thor was it the Dark World where they bring it to the collector they bring the ether to the yes. collector I, yes, I yeah. that one so. obviously has big important ramifications Absolutely. for later on in the MCU but that's later yeah this like, like you could not scene, see that scene and everything makes sense yeah. if you somehow didn't see that scene at the end of Thor the Dark World yeah. you just you know, everything was fine at this that point. literally rewrote the movie. And it rewrote this movie, and then the first scene affected this film and Spider-Man's next film, and then the next scene affected the entire MCU. Yeah. So, yeah, that was great. A dog uh, just want to throw in from Jenna James, wouldn't surprise me if Beck got Chameleon to help fake us out on that supposed death scene, and that's just some random body that's dead. <laughs> you mean Dimitri, who was in the entire film and never <laughs> right. got to be Chameleon, who's right. definitely in the Sinister Six? <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> that they don't name a guy... Dimitri <laughs> casually yeah. as a Spider-Man rogue. Oh yeah, that's going to come into play in the third one. So we've been dancing around. We haven't said it out loud, but we but so we obviously got Talos and Soren have been undercover so as cool. scrolls, just taking Nick Fury and Marie Hell's place on Earth for yep. who knows how long. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, exactly. We're, yeah, well, who knows? Like, did did Nick even go to the funeral? So John Watts <laughs> came out and said that, question. in his opinion, yeah. that was real Nick. Yeah, I, I would assume that is the real Nick. So yeah. it was the like right after the funeral. But who knows what another director yeah. wants to play with the mythology of? Like, it, they could true. go full scroll war. Like, Secret Invasion could be because to me this felt like Secret Invasion meets Mysterio because of the end. Right, and they, yeah. they hoodwinked us long enough that I was like, man, this totally got me, and I thought I was ready. <laughs> I, the, scene, the, the scene was perfect. The performance from Ben Mendelsohn, like it's I love always. Like so I love Talos as a character. Yeah. He's just so weird and silly. He's like, <laughs> it was a heartwarming moment. Yeah, but it, it's, just, it's just like it's so cool embarrassing guy. for a shapeshifter to yeah. not know. Yes. And I was just like, yeah, exactly. And uh, I did catch this uh, the first time uh, when we thought it was uh, Nick and Maria having banter about Curl's sleeper cells earlier in the movie. Yeah. I don't know if you guys caught it the yeah. second. Yeah. time. So it's like, oh yeah, that's a total scroll conversation. Yep. They're like, oh, somebody's listening. Let's talk about the weather. I, I yeah. caught it the first time yeah, and I was just like, yeah. oh, they're setting up a Cree on, uh, yeah, yeah. A, a, on Earth. Oh, okay. And in my brain I went, well, they've been Cree on Earth for years if you watch Agents of yeah, S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> but Nick Fury doesn't watch no. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. No, he <laughs> watched the first season. <laughs> he, 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 no, he watched he the one that he had a cameo. Yeah, when yeah. he was the only one he watched. But it, it did like this so the second time through, and I'm sure that you guys went through a similar thing watching it again. 
what? It, so we can go through the movie now, and there are three distinct possibilities for what Nick Fury we're looking at, Amory Hill, at any given time. Is it true Nick Fury? Is it scroll Nick Fury, Talos? Or is it Beck projecting Nick Fury? So, yeah, that's because right. Because there are some mm-hmm. scenes where I... For, so let's... The, the big Mysterio meeting underground with yeah. Nick Fury... I don't. I'm genuinely not sure if we're looking at Talos or Beck. Well, oh, Talos like Beck knew about it later. Yeah, Talos knew about that meeting because of him referencing something. But like the second meeting, totally could have been a projection. My thinking the is okay, uh, the only real Nick Fury is the one trying to call Peter. The, I don't think we ever actually see real Nick Fury. I think Nick Fury's up on his spaceship or whatever, and he's like trying to tell Peter, like, "Yeah, you know, I'm in space. I'm not going to handle this. You go do something." I actually think it's always mm-hmm. Talos, just because he's calling. <laughs> not just the calling, but the the language they use. They like the the idea of Nick Fury talking about being ghosted and Nick Fury and, being like, "Bitch, please." Right, yeah, which as much as you've been to space, space bitch, totally. Which, uh, if Sam Jackson t- style right. line, it's not a Nick Fury line. It if you remember weird. on this show when we had that trailer where that line was in it, people were like, Nick Fury would never say that. And I was and like, oh, I guess right. he would. And you know what? Yeah, so whoever it was that said that, you're absolutely right. He wouldn't say that. Talos now thinking that's how Nick Fury would talk and being <laughs> well, like, no, clear, I got this, don't worry. He's don't clearly seen guys. snakes on a plane and he just thought that that was Nick Fury. It, yeah. it's, and, and kudos to Samuel L. Jackson because. The way that he plays the different versions, there is a subtlety to how he approaches these things. That mm-hmm. is, it's very minor. But when you're when I watched it through the the second time, you can see the differences, and you can see it in uh, Maria Hill as well when she just responds. Because a lot of times in her scene, she just responds with a very flat yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it, she does it, do a lot of it, it feels weird until you realize that that's not Maria I know Hill. I was like yeah. what, what happened to Robin Sparkle why is she such a pain in the ass in this movie <laughs> she went to the mall too many times yeah, apparently uh, <laughs> two things from the chat. Uh, I disagree with this theory, but I find it interesting, Charles Lee. The last time we see Fury Fury is at the end of season one of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. After that, it's Talos. No, I think that the uh, the Fury that we saw uh, snap away at the end of Infinity War, I think that was really him. I don't yeah. think that was Talos. Yeah, he, he would never have trusted even Talos with the Captain Marvel pager. Yeah. Right. Um, so. And it also makes sense. That line... Yeah. Uh, don't invoke her name right. because to Talos, Captain Marvel is almost a religious figure because she, she is the savior yeah. of his family and his his people. Yeah. So the so he he so okay so that definitely says to me that that was Talos in that bunker underground there. I, I think so. Yeah, uh, I think so too. And Chris Loving's talking about uh, don't forget the sandwich. He doesn't like them though. diagonal. But he made them diagonal in this movie. I, I don't remember making sandwiches, but it's like if you're paying that kind of attention to detail, you deserve that. Oh, comment. at the very end. is what, No, he had a drink, not a sandwich. Yeah. When, I, does, well, when does Nick Fury make a sandwich? Really, that's what I'm really, wondering. really trying to think about it. It's so funny that that's what we're talking about, too. When does Nick Fury <laughs> eat a sandwich? Let us know. There was a we'll John, there was a John Watts. Ooh, there was a John Watts interview where uh, he was talking about how they wanted to have a scene where he was doing a sandwich and hoping it would plant that seed. So I don't know if he's talking about the interview oh, or if okay. there was actually a scene in it. But because uh, okay. I, I don't remember a sandwich scene, I've seen it four times. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think I. <laughs> I wish I'd seen it. It's been out for way. six days. Oh, I saw it. I, I saw it when it was like yeah. five days down. Yeah. I was in London. I got to see it like way early, which was crazy. They flew me to. I saw it at Sony in London. They hadn't even sent it to a theater yet. Oh, so my. I got to see it like fancy. That is uh, awesome. But it was really weird because it was like six people in the theater, and every time I laughed, I was like, Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, it was like I could look wow. the individuals in the eye, like I was loud. I apologize. 
Especially for Britain, being you know, this volume is much I had a guy. I actually had a guy message me about that, saying how he wished that it was more like American theaters, where you could like yell. He's like, Brits are just dead silent during the entire movie. He's like, I wish that there was more like yelling and clapping or like laughing. And I was like, Oh boy, there was a lot of that in our theaters, except press screenings. Well, <laughs> I I see movies immediately after the press screening, like the day it comes out, so I can see it with people because press screenings are often like. <laughs> we got and, like, lucky just, with ours. Yeah, I thought ours was pretty good. Good, it was. But, uh, except for the 30% of people who left, as you mentioned. Yeah. But. Venom was a rough one for me because I was all uh, about Venom. I'm the exception of the rule, critic wise. No, uh, and I, I was all about that, that also, movie. Yeah. And I stood and that cheered so at one good. point, and then I read a bunch of reviews, like, except for that person that stood and cheered in the press. No! <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> as the loud one. Because uh, I was about that. And the moment That's he got in that awesome. lobster tank, I was like, yo, this is my movie. That was pretty uh, great, actually. And then from then on, I was Thank in. You. But I got, I got discrepancies. <laughs> but what's interesting about this movie is the more you see it with a bigger audience, the more more, like, flavor you get out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think this is, we were talking before, like, one of the most rewatchable Marvel films. The yeah. moment it's over, you want to go back in. I think it's going to have great legs box office-wise. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing. The, the, the scroll reveal gives you reason to rewatch it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then once you're already in there, you're just like, oh, this is all so good. Let's talk about just Peter a little yeah. more. Because yeah. this was really Peter coming from not because he's living up to Iron Man's name in this. He the the, the implications are the heavy-handed stuff is, is obviously there with like the glasses passing on Edith. Love the name of Edith. Yes. Even so even dead I am the hero. <laughs> so Tony, the most, yeah, the most Tony Stark <laughs> name yet. Yes. Um, and it, what did you guys think of Peter? Do you feel like he took over at least a piece of nice catch the <laughs> Iron Man reflexes. legacy? Spidey tingle. Uh, my Peter tingle's strong there. Uh, I do feel like <sighs> let me let me let me call it out a little more. Do you how do you feel about the Iron Man influence on this movie? I this is that line for me, and I a, a live chat. I see you. I know comics movies are different. Correct. But uh, I do feel like Uncle Ben being replaced by Tony Stark doesn't quite land for me. And I know that's what they needed to do with the MCU, but I don't feel like the skirting certain things works. Like, they didn't say Spider-Sense, they said Peter Tingle. They didn't have any setup of, like, Gwen Stacy before Mary Jane. They can't have him work at the Bugle. Like, I really enjoy this Peter Parker, but it's an MCU Peter Parker. So, I love that Tom Holland is the most accurate Peter Parker and Spider-Man we've ever had, and maybe will ever have. Tom Holland is that character, but there are so many things that are integral to the fabric of the comic book Peter that I have to, as a comic fan, go, it's a movie, it's separate. And, and like, that's fine. Uh, like, Civil War, I love that the Civil War made the Sokovia Accord such a different thing. They didn't need speedball. They didn't need all those things. It's just me accepting it because I'm so biased because I love Spidey. So it's me having to go like unwrite that narrative and put myself in here. So as far as the movie narrative, as far as the MCU, I think this was the best possible way for Peter to have that existential crisis of I'm friendly neighborhood. I'm not supposed to be this big thing. I can't join the Avengers. What am I even doing? And I really think they nailed the uh, this is I, like too big for my britches. Like they just didn't like. How do I hang? And it really felt like that. And then to tie it into that moment where he's on the ship and he's doing all the Iron Man-y things, like that was so beautifully unique to the MCU. They can't. That wouldn't work as well in the comics. That wouldn't work as well in another medium because we love Tony so much that him doing those things in ACDC, like we're so tied to that that it felt uniquely beautiful. So I'm falling in love with MCU Spider-Man in a different way than I love com- comic Spider-Man, and that's okay with me. Yeah, and I see you miming it, but just to say it out loud because we are also a podcast. <laughs> uh, that moment where he reaches into the digital glove 
while he's manipulating and building yeah. his suit. A perfect mimic of the moment where Tony does it in Iron Man 1 mm-hmm. is the... And I love John Favreau as, like, proud uncle, uh, like, <laughs> looking uncle Happy. on. Yeah, Uncle Happy. Well, he's he's Peter's uncle now in a couple ways. Maybe. But you're right. I, to me, I get the sense that they didn't set out to make Tony replace Uncle Ben. Mm-hmm. Like, when I go back and I look at the scenes in Civil War and Homecoming, I don't think they meant to. I think it happened by accident. Because um, Homecoming, it didn't really feel that way. It didn't feel like they were trying to make him Uncle Ben. He was just the he was just his mentor who was looking after him. But then once they got into Infinity War and he brought him to space and like what and what the Russo brothers did with the two characters and mm-hmm. that, it was obvious that it had happened and there was no going back. So once you got to Far From Home, Tony had stepped into that role, and it just evolved that way. So yeah, I, I don't I think, think it was, it was the natural. plan because if you because especially in Civil War, and I'm curious, your Christian Zia, your guys' take on this. Mm-hmm. In Civil War, when he's talking about when you don't do things, and when when you have the power to do things, and then you don't do them, and the bad things happen, mm-hmm. and he's skirting around without saying the actual lines. <laughs> yeah, you can always say it. Some people don't want him to say I always want him I to say I always want to hear those yeah. zingers. If he could say it every movie, I feel like it would be Just once. But it but did I still feel like they were setting yeah. up that Ben had already established that sense of morality in him. So right. they, yeah. were, they were aiming at it, and then Tony came in and just his storyline made it more visual because they didn't want to do... There is a resistance mm-hmm. to doing stuff from the comics... Too heavily, and the writers even talked about the Spidey sense where they didn't right. want to call they didn't it. Want to call it sp- and that's what I don't understand is like when there's fan stuff yeah. that works narratively and will appease comic fans, it's just a strange like left turn. Well, so, and, and, well, yeah. And I was just yeah, gonna go say, ahead. I just as a as a reader, as someone that loves to read, I haven't read all of the comics so deeply, but just in in general, I think that you kind of have to have those nods in there. Just it, not to appease comic book fans, but also to pay homage to the fact that you're taking these stories. And it's fine if you want to make them into something else and change them a little bit. But you're taking expectations away from people that are so... I mean, Koi, you're a huge Spider-Man fan. And it's it's okay that, you know, you have to separate and be like, oh, this is a movie and that's fine. And it doesn't have to be play-by-play. But certain things, like, just just say it and let it be a part of it so that you kind of are allowing people that love it so much to have that little, like, oh my god, yes moment. Like, so, the suitcase really landed for me because it was yes. a deep cut on a yeah. deep cut. The suitcase was Benjamin Franklin Parker, BFP. And, the like, there's a, a classic concept that Ben is named after Ben Franklin. So they even had the middle name, which I love. So I, did, I thought is, that was great, too. Like, yeah. it's part of the narrative. It's like not Ben's acknowledged, there. but it's right there. Yeah, there's no reason not to put it on the luggage. And so that, I like that stuff worked like for that, me. The yeah. deep cut was totally there, and that, that was the moment of, like, thank you. We acknowledge you, comic fans. Yeah. So uh, it's interesting what they avoid and what they put in. Yeah, to so your Chris- point about Tony uh, sort of as a father figure, I mean, I think... Peter sort of always graduated, even in the comics. I mean, to some extent, like, Kirk Connors was like a... The Lizard was kind of like a father figure. Uh, J. Jonah never was, but Robbie Robertson sure was. So there was always sort of like, you know, uh, he always looked for somebody for the guidance that... Look, Aunt May did the best she could, but uh, so I think that this Tony Stark in particular, the Robert Downey Jr. Tony Stark, is just this, the most electric person ever walking in a room. So of course Peter's like, "Oh my God, this guy's amazing! Can I get a hug?" You know. So uh, I think I think it works for me. 
and I think, like Zach said, the way that it started in Civil War, I mean, clearly he already knew him because he's like, yeah, I, I know a guy. So he'd already met him at some point. But And then just the way it gradually went and how disappointed he was with him in Homecoming, you know, when he sank the Staten Island Ferry almost. So I get it. So I thought that, I think that it built really well, and that's why that moment in uh, in in Endgame when he's like, Mr. Stark, Mr. Stark, everything's oh going to be okay. God. You're like, oh, come on. That's when I cried. That I didn't moment. even cry before that. that. Was my, it was right there. Yeah. I was like, damn it, Tom Holland. It's right. also skills. one of those exciting <laughs> things, like going back through the MCU, where they've now retroactively it, like made it official that the kid in Iron Man 2 was Peter Parker. Yeah. Uh, like they've, they, Tom Holland said it, and then Feige confirmed it. Like yeah. they've just decided that that's the case. The same way that Martin Starr is the is the same character that he was in Incredible Hulk. It's just that character. Canon. Yeah, yeah. They just like are like, works. well, we want to use this, yeah. and it works. <laughs> so great. Martin Starr lived like was at a college during a Hulk attack. Yeah, and then years later he's dealing with elemental attacks, just guiding a high school. This guy's like, what am I doing? Yeah. What is my life? It seems rough, man. Being an educator and intelligent person. The MCU so speaking of things that are that are similar to the comics but feel different, obviously the internet has very loud opinions on both sides. Uh, one side I'm going to say is correct to the handling of Mary Jane or, oh, M- or MJ in yeah. Far From Home. So yeah, what do you guys think? What did you guys think? Uh, here, let's start with Z. Yeah, so it's it. uh, what do you think of MJ? It's a very, movie? very different iteration, um, but it's just this MJ is my kind of girl, so I can't not love her. It's she's everything about her. I'm you like, do oh, that love, was you do love murder. Yes, yeah. I was like, that's me when I was 16. This is great. Um, actually, still close to me now. So I do. I did really. I did really like the way that MJ was handled in this. It's just. Doesn't feel like MJ. I'll say that. That's all it is. It's just it feels a little different. Her name's not Mary Jane. I like that she's just MJ. They made that differentiation, probably for people who are like, yeah, but she's not. Uh, But I did look. I she's barely in Homecoming, and she didn't really land for me. And then when they called her MJ, I'm like, all right, I guess. I did (laughs) like her in this. I thought it was great. I liked the scenes with them together, and I like that she's a unique, different character. And uh, look, I can see why Peter would uh, would be into the the weird moody girl, you know. So uh, I I thought that. she was great. I, I I like that it's different. You know, we're what sixteen years from the first Spider Man, the first Sam Raimi. We've seen a lot we don't, of Mary we don't Jane. need that Mary Jane right now. <laughs> we get her again someday. Yeah, that's fine. But it's I like that we got something different. Yeah, Coy, what you? This is the perfect example of like this being not like the comics, but working for me. Is uh, I love the chemistry between the, the actors. So oh, it's so good. It really landed for me that she's a little dark and off, and she's not the party girl. And the thing I like about Peter Parker is is his relationships help shape him. The the beautiful thing about Spider Man is his rogues gallery shape him, and his friends and family shape him. Like he's a cumulative character. And what I always loved about Mary Jane was that she was a party girl that grew up because of Gwen Stacy's death. She helped to take responsibility after because she was always out partying with Harry and then when Gwen died it was like oh the world's real and she helped nurture Peter back to sanity we can't have that character because we don't have Gwen so without Gwen what kind of Mary Jane do we have and it wouldn't make sense to have an arc where you have all those images that don't land so I like that we're doing a completely new MJ we like unplugged it and plugged it back in after the Sam Raimi ones and I think this MJ fits this Peter so beautifully that for me that side of the internet is going to be what they are no matter what you do with the character and this is a great way to introduce our generation's Mary Jane or MJ since she's named Michelle yeah yeah whatever form she takes her dynamic with Peter felt 
Right. And yeah. it was so... The moments in the opera house was just, like, <laughs> the awkward... That moment of, like, oh, I think we're about to acknowledge the fact that we both have feelings for each other, but it's so uncomfortable and hard yeah. to say. I don't care how old you are. That, is, that stuff is always awkward. Oh, that's usually the sorry. It's no, the stuff ahead. you don't realize when you're a kid that you know. A lot of times, like you, this girl that you're into, you think is so cool, and she felt the same way. Like, oh yeah, I just uh, you know, years later, they could have had the conversation. Like, yeah, my friends always said you were into me, but I figured there was no way, so I never did anything. You know, so the fact that they're both super awkward, I think, is great. It's not all one sided. Like Peter's just pining away for this girl who's the coolest girl in school to him. So uh, I, I thought that those scenes are great, and I love their awkward kiss at the end. I think that was my favorite kiss moment where he's just like, oh, and she's like, okay, and their lips like kind of touch for a second. And then they're back and kiss for real, which is so cute. It was adorable. I also think they did a great parallel to the comics in that we had MJ be in the first movie and not be known as MJ. So when she was revealed, it was almost like in the comics where Mary Jane appears in the comics with her face obscured like 20 times in the com- like 7 times in the comics yeah. and then in issue 42 it's like the big reveal and they kind of did that with the movie so now that she's revealed like she was in the comics we get to play with the character more and then in this movie they're laying the groundwork for who she is so it mirrors the comic but not mirroring the comic and I really respect that choice yeah, I yeah also- and it's funny because uh, just to what you're saying like Steve Ditko never drew her face because mm-hmm. John Romita was drawing by that point and yeah just the, the like oh you should meet my niece and it was always like okay uh yeah, uh, what's her name? Anna, the next door neighbor. Like, yeah, I don't think so. So yeah. I think that, yeah, it does have that feeling, uh, just a, a modern version of it, just the big reveal. Yeah, I also feel like if people are, if you're waiting for like that, that part of MJ's life where she becomes like a model and goes through all that, this is the awkward stage that anyone I know who's in acting <laughs> went through in high school. So it totally works. And you can take that character anywhere. Also, Zendaya's a model. Yeah. She, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, there is that. So if in the next movie she suddenly, like, you know, is, is growing up and feeling more confident or leaning into her goth side but modeling with it, like, whichever there is going to take it, I would love like, that. That would totally work for Mary Jane. <laughs> like, awesome. MJ can still be a model and still be this character because of how they portrayed her. Like, mm-hmm. she, the way she, uh, like, her get-ups on these press events, like, she's staggering in her, like, poise and control and the way mm-hmm. Zendaya carries herself is so, like... Damn. Like, she's got it. Amazing that she... I'm so sorry. Just You made me think of it. It's amazing that she can play an an awkward 16-year-old so well. And then you're right. You see her at these events and carpets, and you're like, oh, no, she's like 30, but looks like she's 12. And she controls her narrative really well. It's amazing. Yeah, she's really talented. uh, So I got to meet her and Tom and and, uh, (gasps) Jacob. And obviously, I did an episode of Conflict Shopping with Jake. But I got to meet uh, them all in London. And the way they carry themselves is so authentic to the character. And then to see them go, like, press mode is so fascinating. Like, Tom Holland, you look in his eyes and you're talking to Spider-Man. And it's really interesting. Because I always am like, no, separate the actor from the role. When I met Tom, I was just like, meeting Spider-Man. And I couldn't even hang. Like, I definitely was like, oh, oh, oh Spider-Man's over there. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was great. And, and Zendaya's just like, she's a kid and she's so smart and she's so captivating and she's so interesting. And I love that MJ. So uh, for what it's worth, I love this interpretation, even though it's different. Yeah. And then we also got a really fun side romance. Yeah, we had the, the oh, great between Peter yeah. and MJ, but then we had the totally unexpected Ned and Betty, just which is a great like little nod to the comics. Yes, you yeah. know I didn't even realize this until I was reading about it. They've never said Ned's last name, right? 
So they haven't this, actually confirmed this, on oh, screen this that Ned, Ned isn't leads. necessarily Ned Leeds, but yeah, that acknowledgement that the Ned Leeds who was framed as Hobgoblin in the late 80s, and right. who at the time was married to Betty Brant. So I was very excited that they got together and uh, did not see that coming, by the way, and I thought it, it was amazing. No, and so uh, we'll we'll tell everybody on the air now, uh, periodically Z and I text each other, mm-hmm. and I text her, I miss you. And I say I miss you more. Just because that was <laughs> the funniest thing when they were so, sitting next to each so other. Dumb. We left so <laughs> hard at that when he, he had the Eve glasses on and he could see them t- texting each other like literally seated right next, next to each other. other. It just made us laugh <laughs> on so the bus hard. on a yeah. school trip together. That was yeah. gross. <laughs> gross uh, in like that way. Awesome. It's gross from the outside. Yeah. If you're in it, you're like, aw. No, this is the best. <laughs> young love they captured so well. They captured like flash romance young love and long burning slow love with these two <laughs> relationships and it's like that is high school they they really and, and the movie really captures high school even the teachers being so human is such a like when you grow up and you look back at your high school experience you're like oh that was my teacher just hung over as hell on Monday like when you suddenly are watching TV Monday morning you're like I know now what this teacher was struggling with so to see the teachers in that environment was so great to the humanity of the movie. I was just gonna say J.B. Smoove was so, so great awesome was witches he's got out of science he's which is, he's only got what like so six great. lines in the movie and every one of them is so funny yeah. he steals so every good. moment like every scene that he's in he draws your attention yes. in just like in an instant I, I love the Brad plot line yes. one because they they used they had to acknowledge somehow the what is now known as the blip mm-hmm. in universe mm-hmm. and I like that that decision as opposed to the snap which is the Avengers term for it because they saw the snap for everyone else it was just like <laughs> Uh, it was like the snap was it, it's almost like the dirtier word version of it because it's referencing the, the blip is like the it happened let's move forward <laughs> um, but the the blip and we got this one guy who was 11 and is now 16 um, yeah. but like so that was great but his character as the like romantic competition for Peter super high school oh yeah yes and I really like. I I feel like he's gonna come into play later. I don't know why or how, but I feel like he he will be a villain. I mean, finds anyone out who, about. Yeah, well, he, fi- he well, finds yeah, out. Finds out. <laughs> yeah, I was like, fine. Then I was like, oh yeah, that's right. Everyone found out. Yeah, <laughs> how's that coming to play? Well, oh let's talk God. about. It. We can go back and talk about other things in the movie, but we've been we've been all of us have been waiting to talk about that moment because uh, we keep referencing it. <laughs> it's so much fun, but I wanted to save it all. Talk about it once. That mid credit scene. We started with a nice, like, classic swing sequence with MJ, yep. which was also great that this was, like, the, the reversal of, like, the Kirsten Dunst yeah. version, where Not she's like, whoa, this is his MJ is like, no! Burying her face in her <laughs> hair is all messed up from the web swinging. I was like, that's a great touch. Mm-hmm. I thought that was actually all we were going to get. She's like, yeah. yeah, never doing that again. I'm like, oh, that's a good scene. That's yeah. cute. Yeah. And <laughs> then, boom, they <laughs> drop the moment where... There's only two moments that I can ever remember standing up and and yelling. (laughs) Well, I never stand up because I know there are people behind me. But uh, also, don't write about. Also, lounge chairs uh, (laughs) at AMC, wonderful. But I did yell twice this year at movies, and that's the only time I've ever yelled at a movie. And one was Captain Mjolnir in Endgame, and the second was fucking Jake's. Dude, J.K. Yes. Simmons getting back the goat of the Spider-Man Raimi universe. Yeah. Like, they, they, did that break you guys? Yes. Oh, 100%. So We're not allowed we, to recap. We sat at this desk what a couple Thursdays ago, and we couldn't talk about any of the spoilers. <sighs> Zach hadn't seen it yet, 
And all we wanted to talk about was J. Jonah Jameson. It was so and, hard. And, and, uh, <laughs> there was so much that was so great about the movie that I wanted to talk about, but that was the thing that it was just killing me that I couldn't talk to anyone about. When I watched it the second time with my husband, I literally hit him and I whacked him really hard when I came up with the screen. I was like, see? Because <laughs> like I couldn't talk to him about it for like a week. But what I love is that it's like, it's it's different. First of all, he's, he's got no hair, but if you, if you listen with that. to the intonation, the, the rhythm of his voice, it's like the dailybugle.com so basically dot net you're right he, <laughs> so net. basically he's that guy Alex Jones who has Infowars <laughs> and, and you know he's like going on about the lizard people and Spider-Man and, and it's just like oh this is great I love this take on, on Jameson and yeah, look, it'd be great to have Jameson if somebody else played him. But the fact that J.K. Simmons is playing him again, and I, I wasn't that surprised because he said that if they had made a third Andrew Garfield movie, they had talked to him about being Jameson in that movie. So there was always they were always circling around having him. And then of course there were pictures of him at the premiere. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, at the same time, it uh, it was still legitimately a surprise. It's so hard to get surprised in that way. I knew he had been at the premiere. And you guys had seen it. I think you had at least seen yeah. it at this point. But I heard he was at the premiere and was like, oh, they're, maybe they're getting him for next time. That'll be really cool. And they just invited him at a, yeah. like, as a nice gesture to get it. But the fact that they dropped it in this movie, uh, yeah. in that, like, after the movie. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I love that the, they, I think it's a perfect take. It's very reminiscent of the Spider Man PlayStation game that came out recently. Mm-hmm. The way that um, Darren DePaul's. Uh, J. Jonah Jameson, uh, which is a wonderful take on it. Yeah. It's very similar. It's the he, in that case, it's a podcast, but it's basically the Fox News Infowars version of the character, who's just all about conspiracies, like fake all the fake news stuff. Yeah, and uh, I've checked many times the DailyBugle.net. There's nothing there. Uh, yet dailybugle.net is some random guy's blog yeah. that hasn't been updated That's in amazing. 10 years but the one that doesn't the one that doesn't have anything I'm like I feel like Disney owns that and they're was, they're gonna give it to us at some point I, maybe they're just waiting for the end of the weekend like this for the spoiler zone to finish before they post it because they know it's gonna get like shared yeah. everywhere but they have to they they have to do something with it, right? I would have had uh, like Toby and Kirsten at the premiere, so it was a mislead. We're celebrating Rainy <laughs> Spider Man. Look at us go. Uh, I, when I saw it, uh, I saw the movie very early. Uh, and when I saw it, I, I hadn't obviously the premiere hadn't happened, all these things hadn't happened, and I I'm glad they paced it the way they did, because if you notice, he comes out and he talks about Mysterio, and then they have the Peter reveal after yeah. some footage, because I wasn't able to think. Like, I was watching it like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> If he had said the Peter Parker reveal in that moment, I would have missed it, because I was yeah. just like, I don't know how this is occurring. <laughs> and it was a really interesting, like, oh, okay, I'm back. Okay, now I'm in a movie It again. made you turn into John Bernthal. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> my, family, my family's carousel. Sorry, podcast listeners. I just broke all your eardrums. But it definitely like caused a visceral reaction yeah. I was unprepared for. I didn't laugh. I'm emoting. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. So that, and then obviously the next credit scene really gave us, I think, the, one of the best one-two punches of credit scenes we've ever had. It yes. was one of those things where, so they drop J. Jonah James in this. They, they drop Peter revealed to the oh world as God. Spider-Man, and you're like, there's no topping this sequence. And then the Talos and Soren thing was like, how did you top this? <laughs> um, by the way, at least when Peter's secret identity gets revealed, you know he's somewhere, you know, very secluded. Uh, there's no one around. Oh wait, no, he's right in front of Madison Square Garden, and everyone looks up and goes, I, "Hey, isn't that Spider-Man right there?" I also love did that he, he kill goes, Mysterio? "What the?" And yeah. then it cuts yeah. away. Like Once that again. was a great touch. Yeah. Um, do you guys? 
Uh, what, how, what, what was I going to exactly say here? We all here? got really excited. Do you guys think that this is... <laughs> J. Jonah Jameson is, is proof of the multiverse, right? I mean, in a way. Maybe, yeah. Like, J.K. Simmons proves that this is a multiverse. I, I mean, also... He's, he's also Commissioner Gordon, so it's very confusing. <laughs> I'm just... Tony yeah. Revolori yeah. is in this. He's also in Dope with Shamik Moore, who's Miles Morales. Multiverse confirmed. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what if, like, J. Jonah Jameson is the only consistent face he's across in all... <laughs> well, he's played him in animated versions too. Yeah. So and, and Andrew Garfield does get an email from J. Jonah Jameson. He like you know he he in I think Amazing Spider-Man two he he sends something about like uh, hey don't you think any differently about Spider-Man or something and he instantly gets a reply back all caps just wrong. So it's like I when I saw it I'm like oh that was J.K. And Simmons. I think the Daily Bugle is in Amazing Spider-Man two. I there's think that website right, in the actually, background. Yeah. So they've been yeah. I mean you're right he's in all. <laughs> now, I also love that with Jonah in this one they. Gave us his love of heroes while also hating Spider-Man in like yeah. a minute. They gave Mysterio yeah. all the love where like in the comics he's always like, I love the heroes that are protecting this city yeah. except that menace Spider-Man. <laughs> and in a minute we got all of that. It was really tight writing and storytelling. It was really impressive how we got Jonah so authentically in no time. So let's real quick talk about, I want to talk about this and what it means for the next Spider-Man movie. And then I want to talk about Nick Fury in space and what that means for going forward. So let's start with Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. We This obviously teases a world... Uh, uh, the next one, everyone's going to know who Spidey is. But what do you think this... What What's the result? What happens next time? Let's predict. Two options. One, we have the full-on Civil War storyline where everyone's like, you know, first like, whoa, and then hunting Spidey, which they've done multiple times in the comics. There have been those things. Then they have to put the genie back in the bottle. Two, they put the genie back in the bottle by disproving Mysterio, and they say it's all a fraud and blah, blah, blah. That would feel like a cop-out. But it's also going to be really tricky for the rest of time. But you also notice the Netflix universe is gone. Yep. In the MCU, the only two characters that still had secret identities mm-hmm. were Daredevil and Spider-Man. Daredevil is no longer part of the MCU, and Spider-Man has now been revealed. So there are no secret identities in the MCU as of this moment. So I can't imagine they'll undo that choice. So I think it's just a matter of adjusting once again to an MCU where Spider-Man's a different character than he is in the movie in the comics. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's, it's very interesting. It's going to be cool to see. I mean, you could do there's a there's a ton of different villain options that you have. Craven comes to mind because mm-hmm. the immediate like hunting a person there. Yeah, um, and then you could jump into some kind of Sinister Six. Like mm-hmm. you you have almost enough villains laying around at this point. Five. Um, so like you drop one more and you could get there. I don't know if that would feel too rushed, but. A bunch of people coming all at him at once in the, in the third movie. I would do it, it as sense. introduce another villain in three, and then do a Sinister Six movie. Like I would have it be, and then maybe like he that. dies in the Sinister Six film, and then we get Miles. And Sony hmm. wants to do the Sinister Six movie. They right. still they're still very active and like we want to do that one. Yeah. Um, and then they, they there's all those things about Sony like basically pleading with Marvel. Can we put Venom in the next one, please? <laughs> I wanted like eight. I wanted Harry Potter with Tom Holland. I wanted like I'm eight Spider-Man movies where yeah. he like he's in high school for three, goes to college for three, is an adult for two, or something like that. But with this reveal, he can't go to high school again. Oh my God, that's right. There's yeah. no senior year for Peter Parker. Oh, and it's going to be so weird because you're right. That's another thing in the, from the comics that we're just not going to get is him I, working for the Daily Bugle. Like that's out now. And I hate I hate that I opened this episode negative, but those are the no, things. No, like, no, but the rest, I'm ninety-eight percent positive. I, I love I, this movie. I have the title for the next one because oh. they both have home and Spider-Man three homeschooled because he can't go to high school. <laughs> I, I'll That's remind a good you one. My, the title that I have oh, in mind I, I really want to see the next one uh, which is Spider-Man 
And this totally works if he has to go on the run and because he has to go into hiding and he can't get home. Spider-Man Home for Hanukkah. There you, there you go. Give me my big screen Hanukkah movie, you guys. Well, the Spider-Man, Sam Raimi Spider-Man is definitely a Thanksgiving movie, so let's do a Hanukkah one for this. Let's make it. it. Or you could do Home for the Holidays, I guess. But Peter Parker is Jewish. We all know this if we've been paying attention. I still want that Spider-Man 3 Homeward Bound crossover. <laughs> <laughs> Will we get it? Um, but I, that would, I could totally see a Spider, Spider-Man on the run for the next one. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good... It's an interesting place to take it. It's different. It's something that we haven't really seen, especially in MCU, and it's a natural storytelling Yeah, point. totally. So... Second, and we're, we're we're getting really close to the end here. So, real quick, I want to just talk to you guys about. We see Nick Fury in space on a base full of scrolls, mm-hmm. which has got to be like the weirdest analogy for Nick Fury to be amongst scrolls. Yeah. What do you think this means towards what is that's clearly the one that's saying, "Look at Phase Four. Sword is out there." <laughs> yeah. Do you th- so? Let me let me do it in a more concise way. Do you think this is teasing just a general, more cosmic phase four, or is this specifically teasing Eternals in some way? I mean, I that's kind of where my mind originally went was the Eternals, but it could it might not necessarily because we don't know exactly when we're going to get the Eternals. It could be some more space stuff leading up to it. I also think we'll have a better answer after we know what the next movies are. Right exactly. now, Eternals is kind of one of the only ones we know. I do think it's going to be a more cosmic, bigger scale sort of phase four. So. Uh, I think that that's sort of just laying the groundwork for that. I would love it if they were teasing Galactus. That would be yep, awesome. Oh, wow. Coy, what are you thinking from that? I think the timing of this post credit scene uh, two weeks before Comic-Con's 90-minute announcement is not a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> where, yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to a, a sequel to the El Capitan, like a giant reveal that he did all those years ago. Uh, next, two weeks, we're going to probably know the Marvel Cinematic Universe like next five years, yeah. So we'll see what that what that means. Yeah, maybe I'll join you guys again after Comic Con. Oh, we'll, we'll do a giant breakdown yeah. of what's that's going to be. <laughs> um, so real. So as we sign out, I just want to know any other moments that you guys loved from this movie, stuff that stood out to you that we didn't get a chance to talk about. Uh, I'll start while you guys think of things. For me, a moment. The, the the moments where during the the final battle sequence after they've like they're running away there's two just like great cap references mm. like in a double whammy of them where you have j- happy attempt to throw a shield <laughs> yeah. fail yeah. but then there's also a moment where he's walking up to the drones and he picks up the power core on a string and the shield that's yeah. the tower yeah. was, and it looks, great. it's the exact same shot of cap walking with Mjolnir from yep. Endgame and I squeed a little bit <laughs> Any, any the, the, I mean, the sequence we've talked about, the Mysterio sequence, is what I wanted. Like, I like Doctor Strange, so don't take this as an insult, but that's the, that's what I wanted Doctor Strange to be, and they did it with Spider-Man. I love that surrealistic, what is reality, and I really hope they'd capture that with Mysterio, so yeah. I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, and I also, I it's weird, but like being a film junkie and a comic junkie, the moment Jake Gyllenhaal was walking around in an actual mocap suit, I was like, <laughs> oh, yes, of course you're going to translate Mysterio into a mocap. So the mocap sequence where he's like, planning and plotting. That, to me, was the culmination of Jake Gyllenhaal. His 90s career is the most charming man. His 2000s darkness, plus in the middle, his theater actor guy. Like, we got to see all three Jake Gyllenhaal, so it made me really happy. So, as a fan of Jake Gyllenhaal, seeing Mysterio be the culmination of all of Jake's work was art. And if you were looking at any set photos of, like, 
uh, Mark Ruffalo as the yeah. Hulk. It's the same suit. It's literally a mocap suit. I've worn one of those. That's what it is. Zia, what about you? I think for me it was that moment where literally right after um, he gets he gets uh, Edith from Peter in the bar and Peter leaves and you see just the switch from the Mysterio that we know to who he actually is. I love that moment where he starts laughing and you're just like, oh, here it is. And you know immediately. It was just, that was such a good moment. That, and I also really loved as soon as he puts on, as uh, Happy puts on ACDC and Peter goes, uh, <laughs> oh, I love Led Zeppelin. <laughs> I love that line too. It was just good. Uh, there's a lot to pick from, but I, I love the uh, Happy and Aunt May uh, sort of ongoing. Oh, yeah. And then just the, the Peter sits down to talk to them and they're <laughs> not on the same page. I, was, I thought that was great. He's like, I'm just going to get out of here. I thought that was great. <laughs> that was good. It was so uncomfortable yeah. and just so perfect. Guys, thank you so much for joining us here on Marvel Movie News for our Spider-Man Far From Home full review. Koi, thank you so much for coming back Dude, to talk for about Spider-Man. this Spider-Man. I had yeah. you here for Spider-Man, and I have to quickly plug, I went comic book shopping with Jake Gyllenhaal, so I want <gasps> you guys to check out. Uh, I went to London, Jake and I went comic book shopping. I recommended him a bunch of stuff. Everyone's mad at me for not recommending Mysterio stuff, but you just watched the spoiler review. There was nothing I could talk about that wouldn't ruin Mysterio. <laughs> so I, like, everybody's like, why didn't you talk about Old Man Logan? I'm like, I don't want to talk about him as a villain and have Jake just be like, I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> so we didn't, uh, but Jake and I went comic book shopping, and then we also had uh, we had Tony Revolori on my show uh, last week, so I do uh, Collider Heroes, so check out my Tony interview and my Jake Gyllenhaal comic book shopping, because I love Spider-Man, and it was a dream come true. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I can't recommend that comic book corner enough if you want comic book shopping enough, because it's just fun. It's, I it was a great episode. Job. Congratulations yeah. on Thank that, you, Corey. Man. Uh, I'm Zach Wilson. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at that Zach Wilson. Uh, you can also check out my podcast, Ships in the Night, which is me and my uh, friend Greg and our guests talk about weird ships and cross fandom things. Like when I heard Koi on, and we talked about Captain America hooking up with Wonder Woman. Got kinky. <laughs> Zia, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Zia underscore land. That's XIA underscore land. And also directly after that, Christian and myself will be talking Marvel TV weekly. So we'll cover the TV stuff that we didn't get to talk about yes. for this because Spider-Man, duh. You'll notice there was no TV time today, but that's because Marvel TV Weekly will be over on AfterBuzz TV right after this show. And you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at ChristianDMZ. All right, guys. This has been Marvel Movie News, Excelsior, and thanks for geeking out with us. Bye. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network.